huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener, your host, Ken Lane, here every week for the last, you know, I got to look up to see how long I've been doing this show, 10, 15 years, maybe so long I've forgotten, but every week we're here talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona and, and the seasonality, the change. A lot of new folks come into the area and uh, this high altitude very alkaline, very bright sun. Even during the winter, it's it's bright out. It's beautiful. And so you folks in the Midwest or the or the Northwest was just gray all the time. Or or Lisa and I, we had a out of college. We had a, a corporate stint that took us to Sacramento. And in the sun, in the winter, oh, tooly fog. I mean, just so thick you can't see your hand in front of you. It could be that for weeks at a time every morning it's that and then they would burn the rice fields and so there was smoke in the spring as they're getting ready oh my goodness it was a mess and so during the summer though fall it was beautiful lots of lots of bright color but here we've got it 12 months out of the year or 12 months maybe only 50 instead of 52 weeks out of the year it's pretty nice so last week was pretty cold and gloomy and snowy and wet and just winter and now it's it's still chilly but it's just bright and sunny and cheery you can walk out with a couple layers and it just feels good i did notice that uh, bees are out right now so they're foraging so they've been in their hives they hibernate so they store up honey uh, for for all spring summer fall and then they they live off that right now they live off the honey through winter well as we get further and further into, let's say, into March, they start to become hungry. They've been in the hive too long, and they start to, the males will go out and go forage and go look for, is anything in bloom? Is anything out there? And so fallen apples from last fall, they'll be after those, the sugars in it. Uh, the first, it's not quite ready. I don't think the rosemaries are in bloom yet. So at my house, they start blooming the end of February. Uh, the, the first part of March, they might be down in the Verde, some of the warmer lower air hillsides, Kirkland, some of those lower that 4,000 to 5,000 foot level, they might be blooming yet, but there are a few weeks out here, they're, they're all over those, because there's just not that much for the bees to go forage for, and so they're hungry. So the, the gals tend to stay in the hive, take care of the queen, take care of the eggs, take care of the young. And the guys, it's always the male bees that go out and forage and try to bring back all that pollen. Well, they've been out right now. And so I noticed they just came out midweek this week. I think a couple days ago, started to see just a few bees. As soon as it gets cold again, they'll start to go, oh, it's, it's, it's chilly. I'm going back to the hive. We'll stay together in here. And so they kind of hang out in there. So they're not really... They're not looking at you. They're not worried about you. They are just going, I'm just so hungry. What can I bring the hive? What can I go collect and bring back? And so any of that fruit, pears and apples are, are a couple things that are out there. If there were any left on the ground or on the tree, they'll be after those. Uh, and they need to be. So it's, it's a good thing to leave a little bit of food out there. That's for the pansies. I noticed there were a few on my pansies, the violas. Some things are winter blooming type of plants. Well, they like those. It's, they go after them. So it's a, it's, a, it's a good thing. So I wrote an article 
last week on composting because I've been cleaning up my yard. And so you're, as, you, as you clean up those leaves that fell you know, two months ago, as you're starting to trim off those perennial uh, dead spent flowers and, and, and grass, you start to, what do you do with all those? You can throw them away, but boy, this is like gold. It's like magic for the garden. So soil is everything for the gardens. And so if you get the soils right, it, it just, if gardening is so easy. And so composting is pretty easy to do. Pick a corner in the backyard where you get some sun and, and then it gets some moisture. So we can have some real dry spells where compost piles tend to dry out here and they stop composting. They just kind of sit there, add a little bit of moisture and all of a sudden they take off. Now I know we've had moisture here, but throughout the, I'm talking about seasonally through the year, we have, we have wet cycles and we have dry cycles. So those are two things. Don't put your compost pile in the shade, put it in the sun. I would say at least six hours, seven hours of sun. The more sun, the better. The hotter that pile is going to be. And then I, I wrote an article on what, what can you compost, the 50 things that you can compost. And if you want to get a copy of that, it's fine. It's up on my blog. It, it's, it's broadcast all over the newspapers, but it's also kept on our, our website. So watersgardencenter.com. There's a blog button up at the top. It's one of the first columns right up there. I think it's number two or three. It's obviously right there if this is of interest. But there's basically two things that you're composting as you start to clean up the yard. And so there's kitchen waste, which is more green compost material. This is uh, things with a higher water content. These are broccoli stalks and citrus rinds and coffee grounds and corn cobs and uh, all those things that you after dinner you've got this extra you know melon rinds and uh, that kind of stuff that that's green they tend to be pretty hot they tend to supercharge your your, your compost farm they break down really fast and they tend to so all that stuff that's in the kitchen is green waste the things that are out in the yard are typically called brown composting material. So the greens and there's browns. There's more moist, the green stuff, and they aren't always green. I know I mentioned coffee grounds. That's not really green, but it's a hotter, wetter, it's just more of a environmental term than anything else. Uh, grass clippings are really green clippings. Are, they're high in moisture and they break down really fast. So the brown stuff is typically going to be more like the leaves that you're picking up and chopping up, they're coarser. They tend to add texture, uh, aeration to your compost pile. They're more carbon rich instead of nitrogen rich. And so they tend to add aeration. So these are pine needles, fallen leaves. Uh, if you're raising chickens, that, that uh, chicken bedding or horse bedding, uh, even, even uh, uh, chopped up or shredded uh, newspapers, these are all considered brown types of compostable material. Uh, the coffee filter, not the coffee grounds. The grounds are green. The filter, you can actually compost that. I'd say tear it up some if you can, but that'll break down very easily and add to your compost pile. Wood chips are considered more brown than they are than anything else. And so you've got those two types of, of, of material. Just think in those terms and you're good to go. Uh, Eggshells are very, very good for the compost pile. I would say crush them up as best you can. Don't just crack them in two and throw them in the compost pile or three years later you'll see half eggshells still sitting there. They break down very slowly. So they'd really be considered more of a 
brown material than a green eggshells. They're very good for the garden. They, they add calcium. It's just they break down so slowly. It's almost painful how slow they break down. So I, I did mention probably not best to add meat. Meat has uh, dairies, fats, butters, that kind of stuff. Probably not ideal to, to add to a compost pile. First of all, it, it brings in vermin and stuff. But, but there's also some bacterial stuff that happens. And if your compost doesn't quite get hot enough, you don't break those things down. It's not that you can't do it, just it's way more, it's way less forgiving. You got to be more exact or you can make yourself ill by adding that to your soil. Uh, same with poops. I didn't, I said, don't, don't put poop, whether it's rabbit poop or chicken poop, whatever, poops. I wasn't going to cover that because there's all kinds of parasites that come in with poops. And so manures are probably best compost it on their own out over there. Don't add it to your compost pile unless you're a really serious composter or you've got a fancy bin where you can just really heat it up or you can get some some parasite kind of issues. So I just kept it simple and safer for everyone. Then it comes down to the four to one rule when it comes to compost. You want four brown materials. These are leaves and uh, twigs that have been ground up, pine needles. These are really good. You want four of those to every one of your green material that's out there. So when you're raking up in between the flower beds or, or the, the leaves around the rose gardens, take those. That's all brown material. You want four to one, four brown to one green material. That should be about right to get, get rid of the smell get rid of the wetness. If you get too much green in there, it tends to stink a little bit. If you get too much brown, it tends to not compost quite as fast. So there's kind of a balance. And that's really, it's that simple. So chop things up, put them in a the compost pile, give them some sun, moisten them every once in a while, and enjoy the fruits of You've your been compost. Listening to the mountain got a lot in store for you. Got Lisa Waterspring coming in with your garden questions. Join him every right week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Not everyone can grow wildflowers, but we'll make sure you're not one of them. At Waters, we know which wildflowers sprout, thrive, and bloom with success. We're wild about wildflowers with many of our own Arizona blends. Like our Arizona native mix, butterfly and hummingbird mixes, and all are big, bold, and beautiful. At Waters, we know wildflowers, and winter's a season to spread new seed. Waters Garden Center, where people who love their flowers wild, they love to shop for seed. My living room feels so empty. Now that the Christmas tree is gone, the house just seems so blah. Brighten it up with a big, bold, beautiful plant from Waters Garden Center. Fill that cavernous space with tall tropicals, colossal cactus, and sizable succulents that bring the great outdoors indoors. Make a gorgeous green space you can enjoy all year, not just for a season. Unique, exclusive, one-of-a-kind houseplants found only at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. Welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener, your host, Ken Lane, here every week talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona with my beautiful bride of 34 years. Happy holidays, happy new years, and all of that. 
And so it's kind of nice to have the, we shut the garden center down. Yep. And then gave the crew off, just said, here, go enjoy the holidays. Mm -hmm. And then we're back at it like eight days later. And it's, it's hard to get in the rhythm again. <laughs> it's been nice to be off for a while. I know the whole crew is that way. I'm missing my afternoon nap here. <laughs> I know the, the office staff, they went down to Mexico. Yeah. I think they went down together. They had uh, people coming in from all over. Our facilities mm-hmm. guy had people, high school friends show up from oh, really? Ajo. Kind of. Oh, wow. It was just fun to hear uh-huh. all the stories people had of not just Christmas presents, but the friend, the friendships, right. the connections. Mm-hmm. That's what uh, that's what's fun to hear about. So, yeah. and we get the pleasure of being able to do that financially with the crew. We yeah. can just let them off between Christmas and New Year's, and so it's we benefit as much as they do. You bet. So I'm trying to write an article right now, thinking, well, why do we do that? Ah. What's our philosophy behind that? And it's actually hard to put into words. It's a feeling, <laughs> but uh, we care about way more than customers. We care about people. Mm-hmm. And and our people are part of the people that we care about, not just customer people. So it's way deeper than just we're here to make money off customers. <laughs> no, we're here to make the community better, and it starts with our own staff. Mm-hmm. And so I don't quite have that worded out yet. It's still coming together. It's kind of hard to put down feelings on paper in 500 words or less that the press will actually... <laughs> pick up so well i'm sure you will accomplish it yeah well i'll run it by you after before, a while before <laughs> we bring it bring it to you drink more coffee drink more coffee <laughs> uh, okay so this is about garden questions right so it's just what are people talking about mm-hmm. and so uh we have probably less questions because we were closed i don't know last week or is it like pent up demand no i think it's just winter okay <laughs> <laughs> people aren't quite they're, they're thinking about it, Are they? but they're not quite there yet. Yeah. But Sandy would like to know, when is the best time to cut back your peony and your hydrangeas? Great question, Sandy. So now, so generally all those perennials, really most of your pruning is done uh, January 1 through March. Mm-hmm. And you've got some time. So uh, some things are starting to elongators you can see they're starting to bubble up underneath all that brown growth from last year you're seeing your mums starting to grow mm-hmm. a peony that won't happen too soon you might see the eyes start to form probably another two three weeks uh, but but they aren't quite ready you get all that dead spent foliage in the perennial flower buds mm-hmm. cut them back and you don't have to be gentle None of it's alive. Just weed whack it, mow it off, cut it back, hedge it, get rid of it, go and compost it, and then go for it and then fertilize after you're all done, and it'll start to bubble up and start to go. It really comes down to soil temperature and how how long the days are. Right now, the soil's cold, Mm -hmm. and the days are short, but it's starting to warm up. You're starting to see longer and longer days, and it'll get better and better for the gardens after this. Hydrangeas, same thing. Yeah, they look pretty rough. Take all those old leaves. If there's any left, just strip those off. Same with crepe myrtles. Strip all those off. Cut them back to the shape that you want. And away you go. So that's, do we answer Sandy's, uh, <laughs> do that with echinaceas, yeah. galardias. So there's something, like peony, classic example. You cut it all the way back. Right. You're not trying to leave any stem. It's right. not going to come back on those old stems. Right. But there are some things... You you need to leave some of that stem, correct? Right. Because they're not they don't come back 
fresh from the ground. Yeah, some I mean. things come back from the stems, the branches. Mm -hmm. So salvias, or salvia gregii, Russian sage, they're coming back from the stems mm -hmm. and from the ground. So if they really get overgrown, you can cut them right back. It's kind of mm -hmm. harsh, uh, but usually we just cut it, we're shaping them, giving them a haircut. Hydrangeas. Mm -hmm generally are that way uh there's really we can grow deep into hydrangeas there's there's some that bloom <laughs> on second year wood some on first year wood there's ever bloomers there's right. so many varieties it's yeah. hard to in 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 90 seconds to describe it come see us we could tell you how but right. if in doubt trim it back some give it a haircut don't right not hydrangeas are not right to the ground uh, and then if you see buds forming on that on the stems that are left you've got it ever blooming mm. Uh, or it blooms on first-year wood, which is all, it's all that we sell here at Waters Garden Center because mm -hmm. they bloom better because of the way our winters are. We don't sell the every other, like the Midwest varieties. We don't sell those because they don't perform as well. They don't they grow, but they don't bloom. <laughs> you put a hydrangea out there, it blooms. <laughs> and so it just depends on what variety. I know if you're buying plants from all over the place right. instead of, where they should be buying them from <laughs> your independent garden center whatever town you're tuned into uh, they're helping you mm -hmm. garden smarter but anyway that's how you do it sandy good question okay next one's from paul it's his first winter here paul. In right on. and his question is is it normal for some plants to have more of a winter or rust or brown color oh, like in yeah. junipers is that sure. a normal thing or should he be concerned about that yeah so so we call them evergreens or conifers things that have a needle on them it could be junipers cypress cedars pines firs there's a whole bunch anything that's evergreen that's got a needle is probably what paul's talking about and they're evergreen but it's a misnomer they may not be just like a nandina or heavenly bamboo for you california folks that's actually an evergreen but in the winter, it turns red. So it's ever red in the winter, but then it turns <laughs> green. So it has a seasonal color change. Right. Well, evergreens do the same thing, depending on what variety it is. So a lot of your, uh, some junipers can get kind of a purplish tinge mm -hmm. to them. It's quite pretty. And then they'll, they'll turn right back to the gray or that Arizona blue color that they that they were during the growing season. Mm -hmm. uh, some, some of your broadleaf evergreens. And get this yellow tinge. If you didn't fertilize them last fall, they can get kind of a yellow chlorosis. It's the short days, and so you'll get some of that. To, to, to see a, a color change in the yard from your evergreens, very common. The way you get past that or to bring out more of that color is you're fertilizing the fall. And that's why we push fall fertilizing so much, uh, is to keep the health and the color of those plants rich and thick through the winter through the darkest shortest days of winter it keeps them looking better mm -hmm. but to see see color not not that's perfectly out. good yeah if in doubt take a picture everyone's got a cell phone bring it in and we could tell you in a heartbeat oh yeah that's that's how mine look too you're good yeah. so <laughs> i think that's fine okay uh hopefully you have time for our next questions from yeah. Joanna. she wants to know is it too early to begin soil prep for raised vegetable beds yeah and then also, what would you add besides just soil? That was Janice. 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 So, um, yes. So you, you've got, we'll start plugging um, vegetables, uh, potatoes, onions, the early greens, mm -hmm. uh, lettuce, broccoli, spinach, cauliflower, all the foliage kind of stuff. We'll start planting those in March. So you've got 
six, eight weeks. You've got some time. It's time to do it. Generally, after the first of the year through February is when we do most of our soil amendments. Mm -hmm. And so you really do what the book says is put a two-inch layer of organic matter. A lot of that's manure or compost over the entire garden and turn it to one shovel's depth or one rototiller or just basically about eight inches. Mm -hmm. Turn that in. And that's how you prep the soils. You really do, if you're using a lot of manure, you really do want to do that ahead of the planting season. So you want it to settle and percolate. and mm. You want a snowstorm or some rain to come in there to help neutralize all that nitrogen that you have. Especially if you're using really hot manures like chicken or turkey manure. They're very hot. If you were to blend that in and plug your lettuce in right afterwards, you might wilt just because it was so hot. Yeah. It was too hot, too much fertilizer. Or it just elongates. You put, there's different reasons you want to do that, but do it now. Let it set for a couple of weeks. And I guess if you really got you into it, the kid lane, plant, like aka next weekend, the mountain garden, the irrigation line, just out the week and press the kind of neutralize Listen, stuff, each week I would put a fertilizer down. There's a vegetable food that we sell here that's organic. Stress melts away. Add that on top of a two-inch layer of compost or manure. Turn all that in together. Let it set. A five-star sleep experience waiting for you every night at home. Bask in the comfort of questions this week. Lisa, water's in the studio with your garden air. questions. We'll be right, right back right after oxygen this. Tent, as refreshing as a forest rain. A good night's rest starts at Waters Garden Center. Natural, safe, organic. Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Also found on the web at top10houseplants.com. We believe retirement means more time to garden and plants make you happier. At Waters Garden Center... Hi, Ken here with the finds of the week and our Deodore Cedars. A standalone tree so beautifully shaped it's referred to as the Christmas tree. Fastest growing of the evergreen trees used for quick screens, windbreaks, and privacy. Graceful arches sweep through the landscape in colors of blue to green from the stately tree. An evergreen lover's dream for fast, thick growth. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. For people who love majestic evergreens, they love to shop. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. So we are starting to bring material plants in for 2022, the 2020 spring season. So it all starts with, well, houseplants had a big load of houseplants come in because we know that you've got this big open space where that Christmas tree was. It feels a little dusty, open, I don't know, needs some green in there. Uh, the, the days are short, and so you need some something green to look at, and so we bring, we stock up. 
with from air plants to floor plants, big tree kind of things, to lots and lots of hanging kite types of materials. And also, we've, we've started to ship a few of the flowers in. So there's a whole series of winter blooming types of plants. So you've got a, a bed out there. The gardens can look pretty pretty stark right now. But if you put pansies and violas in those containers, they just bloom their hearts out. They love. Last week when there was snowing out there, they had some snow on them. They could hardly see the sun. They sort of drooped over. As soon as that sun melted, they perked right back up and went, oh, the sun, I'm so happy. So you're starting to see that. Another, let's see, two weeks, we've got our first load of lilacs and fruit trees, shade trees. We've got quite a few evergreens already in here. What I would, thought I would do is, how do you plant that living Christmas tree. So you had a, a living pine or spruce or fir or deer or cedar, a, a tree that you brought indoors to decorate for the holidays. How do you transition that back out of the house and start to plant it? And it's really quite easy. You can plant now. The soil, I've dug a, few, a hole this week. It wasn't frozen, so it was workable. So as soon as that ground can thaw and you can stick a shovel in it, you're good to plant. So you're, it's not like, it's really the ice that, that forms. So you folks at the higher elevations, the Highland Pines, the Williams, the Flagstaffs, maybe you've got an ice barrier up there or permafrost. Uh, but down here at the 5,000, 6,000 foot level, it's, it's open. It's snowy. Uh, but as soon as that snow clears, you can plant. So no, no worries. So take that evergreen out there, put it right in the ground. But before you do that, get it used to that cold weather again. It's got to go from warm weather, tropical indoors. You had it connected. You had your house at 70 degrees. It's got to get used to 22 degree nights or whatever our colds have been you know, this week. So it's got to get used to that. And usually you'll take it outdoors and put it underneath the deck or next to the house on the south side, someplace sunny. It's amazing how much warmth your sun, the, 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 the house throws off with some sun reflecting on it. It's the perfect place to get it used to it. Keep it there for three, four, five days, just till next weekend when you're ready to plant. Just let it hang out there on that south side against the house. Let it get used to the cold. After just a few days out there, it's okay. The, the sap has stopped to flowing. It's, it's started to going, okay, I'm ready for winter. Let's go out in the yard. Now, now it's, you've got the metabolism slowed down so that plant can, can take on whatever winter brings its way, like the rest of the spruce and pine that are in your neighborhood. Then you put it in the ground. And, and what you want to do now, most, most folks are using evergreens as living trees. So it's a traditional you know, Christmas tree looking thing, but not, not everyone, but generally evergreens are very sensitive to soggy soil that doesn't perk very well, doesn't drain very well. So you really want to dig that hole. When you're putting that hole in the ground, dig it the same depth as the root ball, but really wide. Then if in doubt, this is really important for you folks on that 69 corridor or where you've got a lot of caliche layers coming on, where the soil just, you had an alternate uh, a septic system. You folks don't know who you are that have really hard soil. If you've got that, plant that plant on a real slight mound. 
That'll help it drain when we get this. Remember last year, the, the monsoon season, lots of moisture. So when you have wet cycles like that, you want to make sure that root ball can breathe no matter what, what rain or snow can, is thrown at us, that root ball can, can breathe. Otherwise, it can tend to drown. So evergreens are sensitive. Take that soil you dug out of there, so same depth, three times the width, slight mound. Dig any, any, any debris bigger than a golf ball, get rid of that stuff. Filter it. Some of you will have hardly have any soil left. But screen out the big chunks, any old root ball, any old roots, weeds, get rid of that. Amend about one part mulch, we have premium mulch that we use as a compost material, to three parts native soil and blend that one part three part together so you want to aerate that soil blend that together that's your mix to backfill around that root ball put that soil around there pack it in really tight then sprinkle a handful of all-purpose plant food on top of the root ball watered in really good i mean watered in really good i don't know how moist this uh, last storm made the soil but it's probably still dry or not as moist as you think it is so really wet it wet it down wet down that root ball wet down the soil you backfilled with wet down the surrounding soil so it's got some some moisture and then you're going to water it you're probably going to irrigate it like that a couple times a month through March or so. After all that, I'd water it in with a two-gallon bucket of root Mount grub. Gardner, a source for timely garden advice, mulch, higher elevation, three times the width, plant it now, you're good to go. Hi, Lisa here that's how you plant a little Christmas tree, Arizona whether you used it in the living room or you just want another evergreen in the yard, that's how you plant them in January. This evergreen displays bold gold, head-high foliage that grows even thicker when sheared. A single shrub makes a bold statement for just $27, but in rows they make excellent visual and sound barriers. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love bold gold hedges, they love to shop. We believe in family, church, community, and friendships here at Waters Garden Center. My living room feels so empty. Now that the Christmas tree is gone, the house just seems so blah. Brighten it up with a big, bold, beautiful plant from Waters Garden Center. Fill that cavernous space with tall tropicals, colossal cactus, and sizable succulents that bring the great outdoors indoors. Make a gorgeous green space you can enjoy all year, not just for a season. Unique, exclusive, one-of-a-kind houseplants found only at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert, Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding, with a few of Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. Welcome back to my favorite gal in all the world, Lisa Waters Lane. <laughs> no hesitation. <laughs> Meant to mean anything. No, I was just going to think about something else while talking. It's bad. Anyway, that's ADD. That's a problem. <laughs> it's called right from the door. <laughs> anyway, Lisa comes in and just shares her garden 
inspiration, breaks up the monotony of a guy just talking for an hour straight about gardening. Plus, I like hanging out with you. So, And you're interesting. You're I try. fascinating, I find. Fascinating. You keep drawing me in. <laughs> well, you're easy. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't that easy, honey. (laughs) I'm always trying. That's true. I told you, I'm always, I never get tired of trying to woo you. That'll like uh, get all the younger folks going, woo, what are they talking about? (laughs) I was driving my grandmother up from Tucson. She was dying of cancer. And so this is 30, 50 years ago. Drive drive down. I'm not that old. (laughs) 30 years ago, whenever it was. I'm going 50. I doubt if I was 20, but I'm coming back up the hill from Tucson. My brother and I went to go pick her up, brought her back to Prescott because this was her home. She was visiting, she was living with her son down there, my uncle. So she wanted to die at home. And so she lived maybe maybe eight, nine months after that. But she came home and we're just chalked. She's chatting up. She's not in pain. We don't have all the hardware with medical stuff. She's just in the back seat talking to us. We're in a 1981 Chevy Chevette. That you older <laughs> folks, if you know what that they don't they were such a piece of junk they don't even run anymore. Uh, but anyway, coming back up the hill and She's going, oh, well, tell me about this girl you're courting. I'm going, courting? Courting? What is that? You mean dating? What are you talking What? Uh, so she's just talking back and forth and going, that's an old-fashioned word to court a to gal. Court. I don't know if yeah. anybody courts courting. anymore. I'd court you. You would. I'd also jest you. You'd also woo me. I'd also woo you. Anyway, enough about that. People are getting bored about <laughs> stuff. Stop oh talking. Yeah. Tell me about gardening. Inspire me about gardening. <laughs> Well, it's winter. Got something to talk about. We just had a boatload, a truckload of houseplants <laughs> coming. It's kind of like Christmas all over again. Yeah. So last week, I I gave seven reasons to have houseplants yeah. in your home. So this week, I thought I would show off some of those amazing houseplants that you can put into your home. Awesome. That are super amazing. So for those of you who are watching the vlog... Yep. You will actually get to see them. For Yay. those of you who are not watching, just listening, you'll have to come down and see what I was talking about. Or I can use lots of my old-fashioned words that have been forgotten to describe them. So maybe you can ins- <laughs> I'll inspire them with fancy words anyway. You'll have to look it all up. Uh, no, maybe not. So yes, we did get houseplants in. We got some, we get the the, the pothas, yeah. you know, dracaenas, some of those that you're just used to seeing and growing. But we also try to bring in some things that are a little bit different that aren't as common out there. So I'm going to start by showing a few of those things Good. that aren't as common. Love it. Uh, and really cool plants to go. The first one is a zebra plant. Zebra. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'll we'll try to make a zebra. I'm gonna. What does a zebra say? I don't think it makes that. Yeah. Right. But so this is a zebra plant. Really cool plant. Likes bright rooms. Um, and it likes moisture. So if you're one of those people that really kind of likes to water a lot, um, this could be a good one for you. It's kind of you treat it almost like you would treat a fern. Um, they like the bright. <laughs> Having fun with the camera, sorry. You keep talking. I'm going to call you Vanna. The the radio folks are going, what the heck are they doing? Yeah. Uh, And really neat little bloom on there. See that little yellow bloom? Very attractive. It's prehistoric. It's kind of soft. I don't know. It's it's almost got another bloom coming out the side. Very bright yellow. A bromeliad bloom on it. But really not for... Maybe a novice probably wouldn't want this plant. If you think you have black thumbs, 
Don't start, Maybe, start with the pothos. Yeah. <laughs> It'll build up to this one. Uh, but it's just super cool to look at with the, the green and white veins on there, the striping, hence zebra plant. Yeah, it's neat. Um, so a neat one to have. Just takes a little bit of extra special care. You know what we have in our house? We have a whole house humidifier. So yeah. add... That's a game changer for plants oh, yeah. like this. Really, Definitely. if you've got wood burning fireplaces and that kind of stuff, maybe it dries it out a little bit too much for this. Right. But if it's it's a cooler room, maybe a back bedroom, something a bathroom, a kitchen, right. this is perfect. Oh yeah. Definitely. So the next one I brought, maybe not as uh, unusual, but I thought it was so pretty I had to bring it. So this is a Hoya. This one's a variegated Hoya. Um those, Look how long that is. That's I crazy. Know. Long tendrils. It's going to be three, four feet long. I love the variegation on it. And I love, it's not as, you can't probably see it as well on here, but it starts to get, in the winter, it gets more of a pink color to yeah. it. Uh, so a really cool plant to have. has a nice waxy leaf. So it is a very drought hardy plant. Um, it's one of those, you're not going to have to run out and water it every few days. You're going to water it once a month, twice a month, just depending on how warm your home is. Uh, bright light, likes a bright room um, to keep the variegated on it. So if you have it in a too dark area, it'll start to lose that variegated color. It'll just be more green. Green's good. Which is good, room. but you bought a variegated plant. Yeah, we found especially Hoya, <laughs> not La Hoya, just Hoya. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, Hoya. So anyways, fun plant, Hoya. We have them in just green as well. Um, some of the bigger ones, we have some big 8-inch pot ones that have a lot of pink on them. Very, very pretty. It's got a real thick, fleshy mm -hmm. type of, of, of foliage, which right. is almost like a succulent. So no wonder it's so drought-hardy, right. so easy to care for. Mm -hmm. it's so it's virtually a cactus, only pretty. <laughs> it is pretty. Yeah. Uh, the next one I brought in. So this is a goldfish plant. Yeah, well, that's kind of neat. It's in bloom. Uh, guess neat. why it's called a goldfish plant? Those, <laughs> those. Uh, let's see if I can get on the camera. They look like goldfish. So those are little goldfish plants. They are blooming plants. So they just kind of do a cyclical bloom. Uh, of course, they want a bright room, not direct sun, but a nice bright room. So big bay windows or something, that'd be good? Mm -hmm, sure. Uh, but if you were to feel it, you'll see that it also has kind of a real waxy yeah. leaf to it. Yeah. So we need more water than, say, a Hoya, just because it has smaller leaves to it. But it's still not a... Um, it's not one you're going to have to worry about constantly watering, like a fern or the zebra. But I noticed, too, plant. that as things bloom, th as plants bloom, they tend to need a little bit more moisture. Mm -hmm. When they're out of bloom, they don't need as much. There is a cycling. There's a, there's a, a, a way to care for plants mm -hmm. that you kind of get a feel for right. as you garden more. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you find you have one and you're like, well, why hasn't it bloomed? It could be you are keeping it a little too wet. That'll keep things from blooming. Or it could be your fertilizer. You might need to shake up your fertilizer a little yeah. bit and get something with some higher phosphorus, that middle number, uh, to encourage it to bloom. You know what I think find really helps? Things like uh, uh, African violets, mm -hmm. bromeliads, uh, lipstick plants, goldfish plant that uh, root and grow that oh, liquid yeah. uh, we make a compost tea mm -hmm. here at the garden center we call it root and grow it's for transplant shock but really it's for grow 
houseplants love this stuff. They do. So they respond yeah. really well with it. It's a liquid, watered in once a month. Nice oh, organic, really, yeah. very mild. You're not going to burn with it. Safe it's, for that new puppy dog. We're starting to see new puppies come yeah, in the garden center and kind of socialize them. <laughs> so cute. It was adorable. So the other plant, I'll have you pick it up, Ken, is a mini monstera. Um, also, sometimes called the Jenny philodendron. So this is a plant that um, actually has been around quite a while. But <laughs> She's so having fun. Rocking um, the head with the, yeah. with the foliage. So it's so tall. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a plant that really has been around, if you remember it from the 70s, yeah. early 80s. But it's actually come back into popularity quite a bit. Um, and they actually are a little bit harder to find right now. Yeah. Uh, so, but just even though it's called a mini, it's still a good big. Yes, yeah, so, four feet. Four, four, <laughs> it's all relative. Four right? feet tall. Yeah. yeah, and it's growing more. So they can get up to look for uh, more tips. Probably out in garden shortcuts through Ken's website, podcasting, showing out some amazing weekly house, garden columns. Like, follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. Down, check us out. We are out of time. Thank you, Lisa. You got more to go, but it's looking all the waters plants here at Watersgardencenter. Talk to Lisa Rosemary. My daughter Mackenzie is one of the buyers. Another daughter has been sister Megan. Uh, we all know houseplants really well. The culinary herb often needs to find the mountain gardeners. Do you resist it? Evergreen likes crummy soil, drought, and abuse. Now that's my kind of shrub for under $36. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Where people who love unusual, healthy herbs, they love to shop. We believe plants make you happier. And that local nurseries rock at Waters Garden Center. Hi, Waters with the plant of the week and our red cobweb hens and chicks. Tiny rosettes are covered with crazy cobweb-like hairs, then open and spread to make a dense, succulent ground cover. This drought-loving perennial flushes red in the spring with cactus pink flowers in the summer. Perfect for planting in rock gardens, super attractive in containers, and just $14. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love crazy new succulents, they love to shop. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. We had touched on how to get the soils ready. Let me go deeper into that subject because now is the time. As soon as you can see the soil, that snow is melted, you can start amending and getting ready, getting that soil ready to receive plants in the spring. And spring hits here in the mountains of Arizona earlier than just the spring, than, than the March 21st or 20th date. It actually hits here, especially on the south side, south slopes, lower elevations it really hits you folks on the desert it's here you can plant now uh, the radishes the, the the lettuce it's going in up here at the high the mile high i think the garden center here at waters is at 54 
60 feet just shy of a, of a mile high and so most of us are plus or minus a thousand feet of this this range that's northern arizona okay kingman might be a little skull valley a little bit lower uh some of the higher elevations the the, the williams payson there might be some higher ridge lines but but most of us yeah, we're up here in the mountains for season climate we've seen some snow some some nasty weather it's been cold but now it's bright and sunny as soon as that snow melts you can amend the soil and you do really want to add nutrients and really what plants need in the spring especially if they're going to produce a lot of fruit that is tomatoes and big heads of cabbage and and large melons they need a lot of nitrogen and phosphorus. If you're growing a lot of flowers, big dahlias, gallardias, you like uh, your zinnias, those need a lot of phosphorus. That's nitrogen, phosphorus, potash. Nitrogen is the first number in a fertilizer. That creates green growth, lots of foliage. You want to get those sunflowers really tall, add nitrogen. Phosphorus is the middle number. That's what causes roots and blooms. If you want more flowers, bigger sunflower heads, not just taller plants, you give them phosphorus. You want bigger tomatoes? Phosphorus. And then potash. That's, uh, that's uh, disease resistance, sturdiness. Uh, th the leaf thickness, the stems, how long the stems are in the foliage, the, the branch thickness, that's, that's potash. And so you want all three, you need a balance. You need some other things like iron and magnesium and copper. Those are minor trace elements. Those are less important. If you're adding manures into your gardens, you naturally get some of those. Because as animals eat those and poop them out in the yard, in the, in the farmyard, wherever, the compost, you're getting some of that magnesium and copper and boron, those things naturally through your cup, through your uh, manures. So I would say that's your number one uh, additive to a soil, especially this early January, February. This is a time when you add manures. Now we are in horse country, and so be careful of horse manure a lot of that is i mean when you have a new horse the second thing you do you come you you, you put him in his paddock he's he's got his barn area he's ready to go you've got a new new saddle and you're just going oh this is going to be so great uh, and and then you go make a sign inside the yard and you put it out in the front yard and you say free manure because you know that's going to pile up quick and so there's lots of manure access uh, but, but a lot of that raw manure is too raw. So horses, as they eat things, if it doesn't compost well, you, all you get is alfalfa or, or Bermuda or, or straw, or you just get weeds coming up in the yard. You don't want to spread fresh manure out there, especially horse manure, because you'll get a lot of weeds introduced. If it's composted down for 9, 12 months, that's good. Get an order pile, that's great. Otherwise, get it on your property, compost it yourself, then add it to the yard. They're also very high in salt, so all manures. When they haven't been leached of their salt, it can burn plants. There's some other things. There's, some, there's a huge grub that loves manure piles. You don't want to harvest this manure, put it to your gardens, and all you did was put this huge grub that's going to eat the roots off your new seedlings. So be careful with that. You want to compost the manure. We've got... Uh, um, a barnyard manure that we make here at Waters Garden Center. It's a deodorized, it's several manures. We took the bedding with it, and so it deodorizes. It's not gooey and gross and stinky. It's not going to stink your car up. In fact, you open the bag, you can hardly tell that it's manure. And so it's, there's not chunks and goo and just, ugh, most manures are 
so disgusting. Not this one. It's pretty nice, but it's rich in nitrogen. That's what adds green growth. Phosphorus, that middle number, remember, roots and blooms are phosphorus. Uh, there I would add some bone meal. Bone meal is 0, 10, 0. It's really ground up chicken bones is what, what bone meal is. You add some of that at the time that you're planting and that will add or time you're mixing your soils and that'll add uh, jump, get that phosphorus count way up so your seedlings will just start rooting out like crazy. They reach for this bone meal and try to pick it up and then they use that to form the fruit late spring and summer or the flowers for your dahlias or your zinnias late spring and summer. So you do want to add some of that. Uh, potash, you really don't need a lot of potash here in Arizona because we've got so much ash in our soil to begin with. In fact, there's just natural volcanic ash throughout a lot of the soils that are here. So even our water is very alkaline because of all the ash that we have naturally occurring in our soils. If you have a really old, you've been working this soil for years, maybe you could use some. Uh, same with lime. You look at your national uh, your national programs, you're going, oh, and while you're at it, add some lime to sweeten that soil while you're turning your soils. Don't do that in Arizona. You will kill off your soil. You can kill things by adding lime. What lime does is it raises the pH. So, so if you, other parts of the country are very acidic soil. Here we have very alkaline soil. So if you add more lime to already alkaline water, alkaline soil, you can literally jack that pH up to where plants won't grow. And so really, it's, you just you, you want to be really careful with, with the advice you're trying to read into and use in your own yard, at least in this little bubble called Northern Arizona, where it's, it's unique here. It's different. So don't add lime. If anything, you're adding soil sulfur. I do add sulfur mainly in the spring. I don't add it at the time that I'm turning my soil. I add it when it's all turned at the very top. I'll, I'll kind of spread it throughout the entire yard. Uh, usually the end of February or March. I want to add that to my fruit trees, to my uh, blackberries, to my shade trees, my roses. It just brings the color out, brings the fragrance, brings the flavor. Uh, soil sulfur lowers the pH and makes it more acidic. So your plants, your evergreens really respond to soil sulfur. So just to counter the, the whole hydrated lime thing, I do sell it here, but every time you ask me for it, I'll question going, are you really, are you sure you want this or do you really want this? But you want a two inch layer of manure or compost. We make our own compost here too. It's called Waters Mulch. It's a composted, we've got an old sawmill over in Taylor, Arizona that we harvest the, the 50 year old saw tailings. And we, we screen that down and that's the compost that we're bagging up. So it's locally sourced, it's for us, from us, for, for our soils. But you really wanna add about a two, three inch layer over that entire garden bed to refresh the soil. You want to add a, 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 some, some nutrients. What I'll do is, in my vegetable beds, I'll add a fruit and vegetable food. So we make an organic pelletized food. We just you sprinkle that on there on top of the, the manure. I'll blend that all together, one rototiller's depth or one shovel's depth, and just turn that whole, that whole additive into that soil from last year. And now you let it set for 
three, four, five weeks, then you can start planting. So that's when your potatoes and your onions and your garlic, your lettuce and your spinach, uh, the, the end of February, first part of March, that's when you're starting to plant your cool season plants. You're not putting tomatoes in. Those are, we wait until Mother's Day here in the Central Highlands area or the end of April, first part of May, somewhere in there, because we can have frost. Into the, so, so the summer plants go in after the last frost date. But the cool season plants, they're going in way before that. And that's how you get the soil ready both of them. Be right back after this. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. As the days get longer and brighter, houseplants can struggle and scorch, but we have the solution. At Waters, we've organized our houseplants from A to Z for the brightest of sunny locations, many even bloom. With experts that know plants and how to make them grow. Shipments of the freshest houseplants in town have just arrived from A to Z and ready for a bright new home. Waters Garden Center, where people who love bright green houseplants, they love to shop, found in Prescott. We believe dogs make shopping more fun, so bring your dog to Waters Garden Center. Not everyone can grow wildflowers, but we'll make sure you're not one of them. At Waters, we know which wildflowers sprout, thrive, and bloom with success. We're wild about wildflowers with many of our own Arizona blends. Like our Arizona native mix, butterfly and hummingbird mixes, and all are big, bold, and beautiful. At Waters, we know wildflowers, and winter's a season to spread new seed. Waters Garden Center, where people who love their flowers wild, they love to shop for seed. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. Now I know that some of you have snow still on the ground. You know, Croom Creek, Highland Pines, those higher ridge lines. We've still got some snow in the backyard on that, you know, it's... Uh, on that north side, it's shaded all the time. It takes a while for it to, to melt. But as soon as it does, start pruning back your perennials. It's okay. Take a lawnmower, hedgers. It, we're in the pruning season. So this, this is our peak. This is when it starts. And so there's some things that you can do that start right away. And that's your grasses. You can cut them back, right back down to the ground. So they're looking pretty rough. We've had some some weather that just kind of beats up even the pampas grass these great big gigantic green grasses the the plumes have kind of they've got bent and just the weight of the the snow has got them leaning over it's time to clean them up and you take those right back down to about knee level or so you'll see this under matting just take it back to that level just take hedgers and just whack them right back and then add them to your compost pile or, or, or burn pile or throw them away Get them off your property. Uh, same with all your coral forester grasses, your misacanthus, uh, all those kind of ornamental grass, except for the uh, uh, do not prune back your bare grass, that evergreen native uh, out in the valley areas, Prescott Valley, Chino Valley. You've got this wild grass out there in the in the uh, prairies. Don't cut those back. Those You can take the, the plume off, the last year's flower, take that off, but you keep that green intact. But most grasses, 
you're pruning back. Your fruit trees, you can prune back fruit trees now. Uh, I would say all, all of your crab apples, your red buds, they can be shaped and pruned and, and kind of groomed. If you've got a low-lying branch for your maple trees, it's, it's time. Prune them back. It's been cold enough where the sap is not running, so you can probably make a cut without without having it worried worrying about bleeding out or weeping or seeping sap. And then we don't have the insects out. We don't have uh, uh, the diseases out because it's cold. That's why you wait until now. So down in Phoenix and some of these other areas, the deserts, they've been pruning. Oh, really? They start pruning after I mean, like November, December. We start, they prune then. Here we wait until the peak of, of the cold, and we, we prune then. Another one you can do right now is, is um, fertilize, especially the evergreens. They really benefit from a, an acidic-based fertilizer. So we have one that we call all-purpose plant food. It's 744, but it's got a lot of sulfur in it, so it'll keep those evergreens green. If you've got a lot of new plants, say a lot of new spruce trees, uh, junipers, cypress, cedars, they're budding right now. So they're starting to they're starting to form this spring's leaf bud, uh, needle bud. So that's how conifers do it. If you can fertilize them some right now, it'll bulk up that new candle growth that your pine trees are going to use. And you'll get more growth in a couple months. So pine, pine, spruce, all those evergreens start to grow sometime the end of March, middle to the end of March through April. And you only get one shot at these. They, they bloom once and they're done. And so that, that's kind of... Anyway, there's a lot you can do right now. As soon as the snow, snow thaws, take advantage of it. Great time. Oh, tremendous time to put wildflower seeds out. This is kind of the peak time. Take advantage of the cold and the moisture. Really will, will help you. And we go over a lot of this kind of stuff in garden classes. And they're starting January 14th. We're kind of feeling the pressure. So January 14th is houseplants. Then we go into how to design the next fall. Every Saturday at 930 We've got a free garden class. Please come. It's kind of social. It'll get you out. Uh, it's meant to help you know how to do things and how to work with the rhythms of uh, northern Arizona. Houseplants are a no-brainer because, let's face it, you took that Christmas tree down. It feels open. You need some green in there. Well, we bulked up on houseplants. Uh, we've got fruit trees, how to... Uh, put wildflower seeds down. Take a look at all of those at watersgardencenter.com. It's right there in the very front. It's got a big button that says garden classes. They're free. Join us Saturdays at 9.30. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in. Did you know that plants can help you sleep better, naturally? At Waters Garden Center, we have beautiful houseplants that not only look great, they clean the air we breathe. Get this. Some plants can actually produce oxygen at night and even take mold spores out of the air, making for less tossing and turning and more beauty sleep. Don't lose sleep. Rise and shine with unique, gorgeous houseplants for your best rest yet at Waters Garden Center. Sweet dreams. If you enjoy this show and would like to hear more, please subscribe to The Mountain Gardener wherever you like to listen to podcasts. 
And if you'd like even more garden tips, tricks, and helpful advice, please check out my website at watersgardencenter.com for classes, videos, and more, or my online garden center at top10plants.com. Throughout the week, Lisa and I can be found here at Waters Garden Center in Prescott.